my first one, again, out of my ones I'm familiar with, but my hollow is this Grookey, if you can see it very well. Mm, hold it up closer to your camera. There we go. Can you see it? Is it too bright? Too bright. Oh, well, go to the next one. <laughs> Looks like we got a Charmander. If I'm hey, nice. That's pretty awesome. Nice That's pull. Pretty awesome. Very we cool. got a Chespin, which I've seen, but I'm not really super familiar yeah. with the Pokemon. And then the last one is a Litten. A little fire cat, I think. Nice. I'm guessing so, you probably got out of Pokemon around probably the same time I did. Like, what was yeah. your last generation of Pokemon cards? Gosh, I don't remember all the labels for the uh, for all of the Pokemon, but I mean, I'm definitely, if I had to pick a generation, it was probably the original 151 that I'm the most familiar. So probably the generation right after that. I'm like, if you showed yeah. me some of the Pokemon, I'd probably recognize them, but I, the original 150, I'm pretty locked in. But yeah, I, yeah. I kind of just didn't pay much attention outside of maybe some of the some of the games I played, even though I didn't know who the Pokemon were, I would just play the games. So yeah, yeah. Pokemon Go started introduced. So I think it was like the third generation where I was recognizing names. And then after that, I'm like, I have no idea who these are. These are <laughs> all brand new, but that's cool that they um that they're doing this for kids. Hopefully assholes like us aren't stealing all of the Pokemon cards. I did from kids. I did feel so the first time I went through, I got like other food too as well. I yeah. didn't just get that. But today you said, hey, you should pick up a deck so we can open it on. I was like, okay. So on the way to pick up my my boys from daycare, I went through the drive-thru and that was the only thing I ordered. And I was just like, oh man, they're probably judging <laughs> me super hard because that was the only yeah. thing I ordered. But it's just like, they prob they've probably seen a million 30-year-old dudes go through the drive-thru again. They, they got to so. be used to it. Yeah, I was disappointed that they didn't have the Pikachu box anymore. I really wanted like a non-greasy one of those. But Yeah, I just have the one that's behind me right there. Oh, but yeah, I see that. The one that I got today, yeah, was just the regular one with the cards. But as long as they have the cards, at least that's the most important thing, I suppose. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was worried they didn't have to wait till I got home to confirm that. Yeah. But still no shiny Pikachu. Um, how's the Pokemon hunt been going? I know you've been going to Walmarts and Targets and stuff. Yeah, uh, more so I, a couple of months ago, I was doing that. And then more recently, or I guess this last week I went. So not great. I got that one deck that I showed you. I didn't really get anything too great out of it. And then the last few times I've gone has been nothing. So it's been pretty crazy just to see how popular it is again. And just in terms mm -hmm. of people swiping up cars, it seems like you just have to be at the right place at the right time in terms of like getting them. And then it seems that the people who do get them just buy either most Everything. Or, or all. So it's kind of like, kind of takes a little bit of the joy out of it, but obviously you still get a little bit of a rush if you get anything. So yeah. it's pretty frustrating, but that's, I think, across the board for a lot of things, uh, just in terms of collectibles from sports cards pokemon seems to be the one leading the pack but pokemon and yeah definitely the sports cards i've been keeping an eye out for those too like and i know i'm part of the problem with that since i'm not really <laughs> like a sports fan but if yeah. i come across some nba hoops i'm gonna pick up a pack or two so right i don't know but yeah you are absolutely right the collectibles market is crazy and yet the nostalgia factor do you think that's what's driving that or is there is it just the fact that people are spending so much money on it's a little bit of both like i from a pokemon perspective certainly nostalgia from the same situation but probably even even more so back when we were kids because of um, the popularity so i remember trying to get cards 
going with my dad to like Target and Walmart in like first, second, third grade, and them being totally wiped out, kind of how they are now. <laughs> so it is kind of it is kind of funny, like 20 years later that this is happening. I'm sure it's been happening for a while, but it seems to have really spiked obviously in the last year or so. But Less, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it's certainly nostalgia um part is part of it. But I think they're I think what's really driving it is the thrill and the addiction to opening the decks and find it's, it's really, cause 100%. I mean, I've, I've opened five decks before and gotten really nothing and I still want to keep, op- I mean, it's like, yep. they know exactly what they're doing when yeah. they do that. And, yeah. uh, and it's, did you ever, did you ever buy the knockoff Pokemon cards? So like there was the trading card and then there was just, it was basically cards that just had the Pokemon art on them and they mm-hmm. weren't, it wasn't a game or anything but i remember being so upset and my mom bless her heart wanted to like get me pokemon cards and she would come back from shopco or wherever with like a bunch of packs of these off not not the like trading card game but these Mm -hmm. they're technically pokemon cards but they weren't worth anything they weren't collectible they were like super easy to find so i had like hundreds of those and yeah uh, you know what i did with those though what'd you do i had a cousin a couple cousins that were into pokemon cards and i think i was like that asshole older cousin that um went ahead and traded all of these crappy cards for like their good pokemon cards (laughs) i i knew people who did the same i Nothing like that rings a bell, but the the uh, other thing that I got into shortly after Pokemon was Digimon. Dude, I don't yeah. know, if, I don't know if you got into that, but I, me and a couple buddies in my elementary school, uh, got into that pretty heavily. We got into the show obviously first. The show was awesome. I the show loved was, the show. The show was great. Uh, I remember it. I've actually been thinking about that again, just because I every once in a while I'll see like that. There's like games that still come out, which is crazy to me. But did you know there, there's a card game that just came out? like a new one mm-hmm. no i did not know that yeah to check that out check that out because i don't know what the availability of that is um but i just read in passing that that was coming out i'm like oh shit i gotta pick that up but yeah that sounds yeah i'll have to look at that i had no idea but i i haven't looked at anything digimon in a while but i remember unfortunately selling my cards that i did have probably in like fifth or sixth grade are these your digimon cards and your pokemon cards um, or digimon cards Sister digimon, I, I think yeah. i did sell some pokemon but for whatever reason i went through this phase in like fifth or sixth grade where i was like selling a bunch of stuff on ebay my dad's ebay account i don't know i think i was just trying to like <laughs> as kids do you know right i think i was just trying to like make money and i was just like i have this stuff laying around so i sold yeah. them for like 40 50 bucks which I don't know if they'd be worth anything now, but it's hard to say. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Hindsight's 2020 and you got to take profits where you are. And at a young age, you learn that lesson. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish I had kept my Digimon cards and my Pokemon cards. I I've strained my memory trying to like because I had a bunch of Pokemon cards. Well, let me let me back up a bit. So I got really into Pokemon collecting, collecting, collecting had basically Mm um up until so i had the complete first edition set you know with the shiny charizard and all that good stuff that's i don't oh, want to wow. th- i don't want to think about how much those are worth now wait you had a, a, sh- a oh yeah yep oh man yep. yep oh it's painful to think about um but it's gonna get even more painful and i hope my mom doesn't watch this because i don't want to like make her feel bad about this but oh no um so <laughs> i had a little 
deck container you know for the cards mm-hmm. and i put like my favorite cards in there but the shiny charizard the shiny venusaur the you know all my best cards were in there and i left it in um well back in the day cargo pants were like all the rage you know for 10 year old kids you know they're super cool mm-hmm. and having those pockets in the cargo pants was like perfect for that uh, deck so i could carry that around with me everywhere right. and i didn't take it out and my mom threw my pants in the laundry and all those cards got i i thought that was the direction you're going but i was hoping that wasn't the case yeah yeah it, it would have been better if they just got lost as opposed to destroyed i suppose but yeah but it, that wasn't all my cards and this was still pretty early on so a lot of those early cards i was able to replace like it wasn't that big of a deal, especially when right. I had cousins that I was taking advantage of. So like <laughs> a, a lot of those cards I got back and I've been like trying to remember what happened to those and I've boiled it down to two memories and I'm not sure which is correct because, you know, I was that young age. You're not sure stuff's going on. You don't remember. Um, but one of the um, possibilities is that they are in a box in my dad's attic okay which means you know i have like tens of thousands of dollars worth of pokemon cards in my dad's attic so there's that possibility or number two which i kind of hope is the more accurate one because i think it would say more about me as a person (laughs) is that i have a memory where um my dad's one of um, the church members of my dad's church had a kid who came over and then i Mm. i've I remember hearing that he was into Pokemon and I have this almost a memory, but not quite. It's more of like a hunch that I ended up giving all of my Pokemon cards to that kid since I was like kind of growing out of it at that point. And so I kind of hope that's what happened so that they at least went into a loving home over the last, well, who knows how long that kid was into it, but that might make me hit him up. Yeah, <laughs> if I could remember his name even. <laughs> but that that's my hope there is that they didn't rot in an attic for the last 20 years. Yeah. If you had to guess the condition that they're in, like if you had to like that char I don't sorry to have to make you go back yeah, to it, but if you had no. to guess the PSA on that Charizard right now, if it's so, if it still exists, what do you think it would Um would so okay. I've been like I've been a collector who likes keeping things as they were since I was a kid. Okay. So like all of my cards I had in sleeves and then the best ones were in the top loaders as well, like oh. right out of the pack into that. Like, and I didn't play Pokemon, so it's not like they got shuff- shuffled up in the decks or right. anything. So yeah, they'd be, I'd say most were nines and I wouldn't be surprised if some of those were tens. Wow. De- yeah. Depending on elemental damage, of course, like if right, there's moisture yeah. in that attic, if that's... that's where they ended up. But that is a very good point. I don't think I ever put mine in like the individual sleeves. Like I have some of the the newer ones I have in because um, I just bought like a big pack of those. But I think mm. I had mine in like the classic, uh, like the binder, the sports binder that had like the the plastic pages or whatever that yeah. I would keep keep in my backpack. Because I remember, I don't remember if your school did or I don't know if your school did this, but they banned people having their Pokemon cards out at school because people would like people were stealing cards in between classes, like taking mm-hmm. them from people and stuff. So they just banned them. They said, you can have them in your backpack, but you can't take them out. So kind of like the trading ground for me, at least was uh, the bus to and from school was, was that exactly what you guys did? Yeah. That was like, mm-hmm. that was like the, the place. Like, again, I never played the game. I never played the actual um, game that was 
supposed to be with it. It was all just trading. So every day it was kids getting together saying, I'll give you these five yep. cards for this card. And I don't know if I ever got finessed or anything that I feel like one of my one girl that I remember might've finessed me out of a decent card, but I don't remember, but that was, I hadn't thought about that in a long time because, you know, the school, the bus ride uh, to, to school and back, it was a, an interesting uh, place growing up. Go so, on. Uh, oh, I mean, I think that was like, I, here's a story. This is really random. I wasn't expecting yeah. this, but I remember like, I think that's kind of where I learned to like swear and like, that's where, I, like, yeah. that's where I like heard all those words. And I remember feeling really guilty about it one day because I would, I would swear on the bus because that was what second graders and third graders do. And I think I like told my mom, like I admitted to her, like, oh, I swear on the bus. And uh, she was like, oh, thanks for telling me, blah, blah, blah. But that was, I guess I was just corrupted by Pokemon. <laughs> yes. And the other kids on the bus by swearing and stuff. My parents didn't care about Pokemon. Like they didn't, it didn't bother them or anything like that. So one question I did actually just think of is your question going back to, I guess, the nostalgia part. Do you think people like our age in their late twenties, early thirties, who are still interested in Pokemon and the cards and maybe even some of the games, do you think some of it is a lot of a, a lot of people who are adults now grew up in families where they weren't allowed. It's a good to, question. Weren't allowed to play the games or have any of the cards. So now for them, it's kind of this liberating, like I can go out and buy a pack and do this thing, or maybe they were always interested or they had to hide it or something like that. Cause I feel like that could be part of it as well. And that maybe is just a small sect of people, but I wonder if no, that's I kind do of driving wonder. it as well, because it's like, Oh, that was that thing when I was a kid, I couldn't do, but I was really cool. And all my friends had it but i couldn't thankfully yeah. that didn't happen to me but i knew kids personally you know kind of growing up in the church uh environment who uh parents had a little bit of a different view on pokemon and uh some of the the things that happened in the show so i i wonder what your opinion or wondering what your thoughts are on that if that's playing into what the sure. market is showing um i think the meta market factor right now is just the overall nostalgia factor but i think if you bro broke that down you would find in my i mean my thoughts here you would probably find a large subset of that population who are buying it because they had economic anxieties when they were kids mm -hmm. and i'm thinking about i'm thinking about the just overall types of kids who were into pokemon or who were into you know these things that are now collectible like comic books and I wonder how many of them were like the nerdy type who got into mm -hmm. STEM and then went on to have really good careers in the internet era, like the post-internet era. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, because my thoughts here are that it's a trickle-down approach. So like there's really wealthy people who have lots of disposable money are going to buy the best of the best collectibles. So like mm -hmm. the Charizard PSA tens that are ridiculous prices, like that's disposable income for um, some people, right? That's just like nothing. Right. Yeah. But when they put that money into it, then all of the prices start rising up with that. And I think a lot of the people who are having no problem buying those are maybe the people who, um, didn't have that money as a kid and now it's a way of being like all right i am like fixing part of my childhood by buying this thing that's a really good point i never really thought about it in the the economic sense of maybe not having the, mm -hmm. the means to do that as a kid that's a that's a really interesting thing to think think about it's probably a pretty liberating feeling to be able to do that and 
to have that have that one the that you know upper echelon car that that everybody had or wanted as a kid and be able to mm-hmm. just to buy that outright it's got to be got to be a pretty awesome feeling. it's got to be an amazing feeling like yeah. i think about how i feel when i buy you know a 9.8 a cgc 9.8 comic book that mm-hmm. i wanted as a kid and now like it's not super expensive like i'm not at a point obviously where i can buy like the ten thousand plus dollar books <laughs> yeah. and that's fine but like even that for me is just such a heck yeah moment like yeah that's got to be like for somebody who's making you know millions of dollars a year and they drop some money on these cards like all power to them yeah 100 percent. like especially if they like if they were nerds let's say like and who are kind of marginalized i know pokemon got really really big and a lot of it was kind of an inclusive community but let's say you know they grew up marginalized and now there's like looking back on those era at that era of like being sequestered and part of the cafeteria playing with their friends and now it's like hey i'm i'm buying that card that card is culture now Mm -hmm. i've won deal with it like if that's (laughs) if that's what's happening that's awesome yeah i think that's i think that's again i hadn't really thought about it from that perspective in terms of of the addressing an area of their their childhood by just having that. And it's funny too, because I think a lot of people, I wouldn't want people who, who are outside of that now who are also adults don't really understand that feeling or understand why somebody would want, you know, a PSA 10 Charizard for yep. any reason. They're like, because they, you know, they don't really understand the the relevance or maybe the importance that it had or the impact that it had uh, on a lot of us growing up in terms of the games and the, mm-hmm. and the cards. So it is, it is definitely a very symbolic thing. And I think it helps that they're also worth a lot of money right now. So you buy it and you're like, well, it's just probably going to keep going up in value. So that's kind of a win-win for a lot of nerds like us who want to have these really cool collectibles, but know that, you know, this could be an an heirloom essentially, you know, my kids could have, because definitely um, there are certainly things like that for, for our parents in terms of things that they've been able to pass down as well. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned like the religious part of it. 100% that was my experience growing up like I remember one person at my church saying oh I don't know about that Pokemon guy (laughs) I've heard some Pokemon (laughs) I've heard my mom say that so many times (laughs) I've heard some pretty evil stuff about that guy was it um was it like the the fact that they evolved was that like the the you know what you know what I bet that's what it was because I do remember a few conversations about that like i don't know if it was on the news or like something like i didn't grow up around a lot of people talking about it negatively thankfully but i just do remember it even though despite the fact that the evolution in pokemon is like instant it's like they're the next you know the next thing you know charizard to charmeleon charizard like it was an instant thing but it's like they're using the word evolve and it was like this big this big thing i just thought it was i remember always thinking it was funny even as a kid just because it's like well they're instantly changing it isn't like all right char char uh charmander's evolving into charmeleon you just gotta wait you know five million years or whatever for that to happen so this is one of those weird it was just one of those weird semantic things that like i think if it had been any other word it wouldn't have been a big deal and probably would have not caused a lot of religious people to be negative on it if they have just used a different word quite honestly yeah, yeah. but screw those people <laughs> they gotta get over semantics it's like right. with harry potter and witchcraft it's like oh yeah. 
you think the witchcraft in these books is the mm-hmm. same as in your religion over here? Okay, cool, cool. Well, and the irony is that some of like the greatest fantasy writers used magic and were, you know, Token and, and Lewis. Yeah. But those are okay. Yeah, those are fine. Yeah. Because of the, I guess, I guess because the, you know, the authors were were religious or Christian yeah. or whatever. So it is kind of funny how people make that disconnect. Like it's okay in this, but it's not yeah. in that. Like having the, being able to separate reality and you know fantasy it's just like i can understand feeling a little hesitant about it but at the end of the day it's just like instill in your kids to understand what's real and what's not and it's okay to enjoy these things but also understand that they're fantasy and they're not going to like influence you yeah. in your real life like i don't know you know what a freaking good segue that is uh so what were your thoughts on wandavision this week yeah i know we few messages back and forth earlier today about it tried not to get too deep i i agree with what you said this was absolutely the best episode of this of the season so far yep. um going into the show i didn't really know much about it like most like you know I'm a, I'm a pretty big marvel fan in terms of the movies that have been coming out and just you know not hadn't really touched the comics so it's been kind of fun just to um enjoy and just as it's coming in seeing what's happening so a lot of what's happening i don't really know what's what's going on next so i wasn't really sure it was pretty obvious early on in the show that she was dealing with something that she was ignoring reality again kind of like you said we're talking about like she was like i just want to live in this world where this is where this is what's happening i guess we should give a spoiler warning uh for what we're going to yeah, be talking about spoilers so. ahead we're going to talk so, in in detail about the events of what was this episode eight episode eight yes yeah. so I love, so just to go from the top, was not expecting the show to be as dark as it uh, was, at least in this episode, starting off with the really dark uh, segment with uh, Agatha and the the witches, uh, was not expecting that, just in terms of like how dark and seeing like them turning into skeletons, sucking the life out of them. I thought that was pretty, that was a pretty cool visual to see. Uh, and we had this impression that she was maybe very old. I don't know how much older she was in terms of when they showed her uh, in Salem in whatever year that was, 1600s. Uh, so I'm excited to learn more about her. So I'm, I'm assuming you probably know more about her based off of just the comics maybe a little bit. Not so, so much about Agatha. I, I think, and, and just to continue, I'm just kind of ranting about it at this point, but like I think Catherine Hahn is doing an amazing job as Agatha because she's been a comedic actress for a long time. You know, I've seen her in a ton of stuff and loved it. So to see her in a serious role like this and to see her really nail it, like I was really convinced by her uh, evil side, I guess, mm-hmm. in terms of and flaunting that a little more. So really enjoyed that start. And then what I th- what I love about this show too is, first of all, the premise is ridiculous when you think about the fact that this show even exists. Like if you would have said 15, 10 years ago, like there's going to be a show in the Marvel universe and this is how it's going to be. And you like gave a brief overview. You'd be like, there's no way that that's going to be good, that that's going to make any sense, but they've somehow found a way to make it work really well and to seamlessly blend through these different, um, these different sitcom decades. And just like these subtle little details I love just as somebody who really likes uh, the filmmaking side of it, just like seeing aspect ratios change from like four by three to 16 by nine and like the letterbox and just like as they switch through the different things and the colors they really nailed and I love a lot of the shows even as they got closer were ones that I watched those seen like Malcolm in the Middle and like the Modern Family the Office episode I just loved because they nailed the aesthetic so well um, 
So I, I love that. But sorry, I'll go back to the to the to the new episode. So <laughs> yeah. sorry. I'm just like No, you're good. I'll I'm just dumping all, all everything I have because I've really enjoyed the show so far. And I think the the weekly uh, format has worked really well for conversations like this because we we can we have to kind of sit on theories and wonder what's going to happen next, yep. uh, which I really like as opposed to binging it uh, in a couple of days. So the part where she starts exploring her past and seeing these different things, I, anytime we can get backstory on characters, I'm all for that. And this was like an extremely, uh, obviously unique way, but I love the way that they did it. Cause you don't really fully understand how it's happening. Like you're like, Oh, it's magic. Like, okay, that's fine. Like, I don't really understand what the magic is or if it's like mm-hmm. magic in the way that we think about it or if it's some sort of scientific thing. Um, so I'm interested to see if they, we get any sort of explanation on that. But I really, I think the best scene from that episode was Wanda and Vision in the compound. I believe she was watching Malcolm in the middle. Oh my God. Yeah, that was, no, that, that was... was, that might be, and I'm, I know it might sound dramatic to say one of the best scenes in a Marvel show or movie or any of the movies that have come out so far it was like a very short scene it wasn't long but just that conversation between the two and the way they connected because i feel like and and i don't know if you agree with that like the relationship between wanda and vision isn't necessarily like unrealistic or like i don't believe it but i feel like we didn't really get like a lot of like how it happened behind the scenes it kind of just like it needed that moment early on that that certainly legitimized it more for me Mm-hmm. and i don't remember what the line was and it was like it could very easily come across of like uh, i'm 14 and this is deep quote but it was yeah, like, no it was perfect it was the, the uh, one about grief yeah grief is like what is grief if not the perseverance of love i believe mm-hmm. so, yeah i think that's basically it i remember yeah. the, I, when i watched it this morning like that that line happened i i actually paused the episode for a second because i was like kind of digesting and again i was like i was really like dissecting what that meant and i was like I'd never thought, I don't know if that was like a quote that has been around for a while or if anybody's ever said, I just found it really profound. And again, like it could profound. very easily, it could very easily come across as very like cliche and cheesy. But like the more I thought about it, I was like, that is like one of the best ways of explaining grief I've ever yeah. heard. And it's coming from a Marvel show. And a, a freaking Marvel show. Two, and the two people are a, uh, a, you know, for lack of a better word, a witch who can manipulate matter and then a guy who was an ai voice computer <laughs> mm-hmm. uh you know 10 12 years ago is in the movies and now is a sentient being from a infinity stone and just like when you put all of that like into context and you're like how ridiculous that sounds but there's like this very real and um again profound moment between these two characters i just i just instantly was just like wow that was massively just, powerful I, i'll give you a chance to talk about because i've been rambling but what no, do you think about that because i just i you, loved it. i absolutely loved it you just summed up what i love about comic books and comic book culture is that you have so i don't know if you've ever flipped through like stuff from the 60s or 70s i know your dad kind of was into comic books and i'd like to talk yeah. about that soon too mm-hmm. um but it's just crazy stuff insanity absolute insanity like things don't make sense but it's delivering these powerful messages, obviously not as maybe um, articulate as in this episode of WandaVision, but where you can have these ridiculous situations communicating universal truths, or at least things mm-hmm. that are important in many different scenarios. 
And yeah, it's incredible because you have, it's like, it's in my mind, it's sort of like taking um, a box of random Legos and throwing it on the ground and seeing how they all kind of fit together and then holding that up and being like, see, this says something about blank. This says something about love. This says something about, it's like, why does that work? Why should that work? But it does. And I, the fact that that does work, that you can take so many random components mix them together and then use that as a delivery system for mm-hmm. truth is just insane to me and i love it and i think i think the payoff as somebody who you know if you're somebody who does follow the films has watched all of them has been watching obviously the shows that are going to be coming out same with endgame like the reason that movie was so like on itself it's like its own its own thing but like the build up is what the payoff of that movie is what made it so good mm-hmm. like somebody from the outside in is like why all these nerds freaking out like you can watch videos of people at the theaters yelling that's how it was at my theater when like they were coming through and everyone was cheering like those little moments that was like 12 15 years of build-up yep. uh to get that and i feel like that was similar to this scene that we're particularly talking about yep. because because of the context of the characters and briefly knowing what they've kind of gone through and the relationship they have like if this was just a one-off show it would be a good scene but it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't hold the same weight that it has now because you're really like, oh, this is why they have the the feel the way feel the way that they feel about each other, and uh, I'm just excited to see you know them build on top of that as well. It makes me really excited, honestly, for the other shows that are going to come out because I think I'm just a surprise that doesn't even like let the show be made. Quite honestly, like again, no. it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous. Like I don't know how it even got greenlit. Quite honestly, Disney is playing to win, which is why I am so freaking bullish on the comic book space. Yep, and it's weekly, right? So you you yep. mentioned that where it's now we get to talk about it every week. That's brilliant on disney's part that's so the game is attention right in modern mm-hmm. modern society the game is attention whatever keeps attention wins and disney's cracked that code weekly delivery people like us talking about it every week and content that's worth talking about like buy comic books that yeah that you know as somebody who is not in the comic book realm as you it, it's 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 interesting to hear you talk about that because it is a really good point because it's like this has been going on well obviously marvel's been around a long time but in terms of like the, the mcu you know 10 15 years now and there's no sign that it's slowing down you know after endgame it did cool off a little bit obviously mm-hmm. covid slowed down some of the releases of things which maybe is probably going to be in their benefit because there's going to be that appetite so, yeah so which you know it's weird to say anything's a benefit uh because of covid but um I think another thing that I was thinking about today too in regards to WandaVision is that a lot of criticism that I've heard about the MCU is just, I think a lot of people do view them as very surface level movies in terms of they say, oh, it's superhero, it's action, it's fighting, blah, blah, blah. Obviously those of us who've been watching it know it's a little more complex in terms of relationships and the buildup, things like that. Uh, But I feel like a show like WandaVision in terms of the complexity and, and tackling something like grief and somebody who's obviously going through a very uh, traumatic thing, you know, the death of a loved one and putting that, and, you know, it's not necessarily something that's new in terms of that's never been explored, but saying, how would somebody who has the abilities of Wanda deal with that? And we're seeing Mm -hmm. like the extreme version, obviously of that, of, you know, this alternate reality of possession of 
people doesn't seem to really care about what she's doing to all these other people mm-hmm. it's just a very complex issue and i think they're just doing a great really great job that even somebody as well like my parents have been watching it my dad as you know my dad's a nerd as well but she's having my my mom watch it who's not a nerd she's nice oh really nice she's a nerd by proxy just because my dad probably makes her watch a bunch of stuff she doesn't care about but <laughs> she seems to be liking it from what i've heard just in terms of like you know, we were talking about last week about like, oh, you know, there's this new villain, Agatha. And my mom was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of cool, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, if they can get like, you know, if they can get people who are not comic book fans or just mm-hmm. superhero fans, that's huge. And I, well, I, I think the MCU has done a pretty good job of that. As we know, there's plenty of people who like them who aren't, yeah. who would consider themselves nerds in that way. But yeah. I think that's just going to continue. If, if they continue to put out shows that are, uh, able to be consumed by people who don't care about uh, the MCU. Like WandaVision, I would, I would tell somebody to watch it who's never seen a Marvel movie and still, they, they'd probably be really confused because, I mean, everyone was confused the first four episodes as to yeah, what was yeah, going sure. on. But like, I feel like uh, this last episode is just an example of that. It's just, it's just good TV. Like, it's just good. Like, to your point, they're just getting Disney saying, we're just going to let the best directors, the best writers do this. And we're just going to give them a blank check and let them do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, you mentioned Catherine Hahn and mm-hmm. my favorite thing. So the biggest problem with the Marvel movies have been really the villains, like not being that interesting. Yeah. I what I love about Agatha Harkness is that her motivation is that she's just a freaking nerd. So that's a good point. Yeah. She just wants knowledge. Right? <laughs> she just wants more. She's just like, she really likes this thing and she wants to like consume as much of it as possible. Yeah. She's like a, she's like a scientist or like, you know, somebody who just, yeah. uh, they, she's you know, a, yeah, obsessed like, with their hobby. Yeah. She just wants, she she saw things. She said, how are they doing that? Yeah. I want to know how they're doing that and I'm going to figure it out. And that's her motivation. And I, I hope that's all it stays is that she's just, just a nerd who wants to know what how Wanda's doing what she's doing so that she can do it. Like if that stays her motivation, that's awesome. I love that so much. That again, I've probably said this a great time, but a, a million times already. But uh, again, something I hadn't thought about in terms of motivation of her character because every character so far has been like, "I'm going to destroy the world," which yeah. is can has been done well plenty of times. Yeah. But, it, it makes me think that the reason we haven't seen anything from her yet, or at least they maybe the reasoning that they would say like, oh, why haven't we seen her yet in the last, you know, 25 movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's probably because she just like doesn't care to be involved. And she's <laughs> like, I'm just going to ch-. like, she's been around for what, at least four or 500 years mm-hmm. based off of what we saw at the beginning of that episode. She's probably just like chilling in her lair, just reading books yeah. and learning spells and totems. I freaking love like that. that. So. I freaking love that. I love that so much. And you know what I hope? I hope she sticks around and I hope she's not just killed off in the show or in uh, the Doctor Strange movie. I yeah. don't think she will be because she plays other parts in the comics as well. Yeah. Um, but what I would love to see is uh, Disney really corner the Harry Potter niche mm-hmm. and make like a Harry Potter show in the Marvel universe with witches and stuff. I would love that. You know, I, I had, <laughs> I had that thought. And again, not to bring it back to the religious side of things, as I wondered like an episode like this, like if it's going to turn off certain people to the show it because will. of, because it was pretty like, it wasn't just like hokey pokey, 
magic. It was like yeah. straight up like incantation, like obviously not you know real, but like incantation laps and like yeah, like like it was like what appeared to be in the within the universe a very established thing. It wasn't like it was it came across very serious and they did it in a serious matter. So I could just see some people being like, okay, that's too dark. I don't want to get like Dizzy's going down a path I cannot follow. <laughs> yeah, that'll definitely happen. But I'm yeah, all I just all I just had that thought when it. it was happening. I was like, because obviously that doesn't bother me because it's you know just a show or whatever yeah. or anything like that. So uh it, it it does open the door to a lot of obviously we know with like Doctor Strange uh movie that's coming up that that's probably gonna feed into that a little bit in terms of the magic and the uh the multiverse and things like that, but it certainly opens the door to like you said, a Harry Potter star, which I would love to see. Uh, something like that just, like, it'd be interesting to see how they would do it without being like almost a copy but yeah um, well here's how it wouldn't be a copy there's actual rules for the magic system <laughs> in marvel <laughs> there's actually a system there's it's, like a somewhat thought out uh, yeah yeah structure like, of how it works it's not just like mm-hmm. it's so like interwoven with the world building of the marvel universes and like yeah it, it would work really well i think and it'd be a really interesting way to go but yeah we'll see what happens what mcu project coming up are you most looking forward to Ooh, good question i would say in terms of the movies i would say probably dr strange um i believe sam raimi's directing uh who mm. i love who did obviously did the original not the original but did the toby Maguire. um spider-man movies and he's also mm-hmm. known for uh his original horror movies that he did mm-hmm. like the uh what are the name of those movies i'm totally blanking the walking dead no not the walking dead like so it was uh, in the 80s he did one of the classic really low budget horror movies but anyway he's known for horror movies and the impression or at least what i've read about uh the the new doctor strange movie is that it's going to be of more horror uh, mm-hmm. themed which i'm excited about and so he seems like he'd be well equipped uh, there for will that. i guarantee there 100 will be zombies in that movie yeah that's exciting and i remember like even i watched a video uh, of some people discussing episode seven when we first see agatha's lair and they literally said i wouldn't be surprised if sam raimi directed that scene because it was very sam raimi uh, that's an interesting st- style in terms because mm-hmm. they were like oh maybe this is going to feed into that obviously they haven't hinted at that yet but well, I think point. that is a hint at it. Yeah, for sure. It, it could be. It was kind of like hinting towards that more uh, dark, creepy mm-hmm. style. So I'm hoping that's the direction that the new Doctor Strange movie takes. Because again, we just haven't seen that yet. Mm-hmm. Which is again why, you know, kind of why I brought that up earlier was I think we just haven't seen that kind of serious magic and like kind of dark um, part of that universe yet. So I would, it'd be interesting to see if they explore that a little more. Uh, with the Doctor Strange movie, and I believe Christian Bale's the bad guy, so that's super so exciting. Christian Bale is the bad guy in the Thor movie. Oh, you know, you're right, you're right. I mm-hmm. totally messed it up. Um, but, but no, 100%, I'm excited for that. He's playing a character called Gore the God Butcher. That's right, I did read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, so, but either way, regardless of that point that I had incorrect. I'll I would cut say it doctor- out, don't worry. Yeah, you'll cut it. Okay, it's all good. It doesn't matter to me if you kept it and it keeps it, okay. keeps it real. <laughs> um, but I would, I would say Doctor Strange for sure. Um, in terms of the next, I guess, at least the shows that we know about that are coming out soon, between Loki and Winter Soldier, Falcon Winter Soldier, I'd probably say 
Falcon Winter Soldier, mostly just because I feel like we don't know much about those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm interested to see if they do go a WandaVision route in terms of like the type of scenes that we might get or the yeah, type of it's gonna be uh, so... conversation or if it's going to be very more, I'm assuming it's going to be more action-packed, but I wonder if they are going to be able to really dig into the, the backstory uh, and kind of keep building those characters up because that's what I like about WandaVision. But I mean, if it is just action-packed, mm. that's cool too on, on, a, yeah. on a small screen, but those characters just interesting more interest me more than Loki. As much as I know, I'll enjoy Loki, and I like, I like the actor who uh, plays Loki. But um, I think those would be the two that I'm the most excited about. That that at least that I know about uh, that are coming up. All right, Aaron, I got some rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. Um, actually, this one's a bit lengthy, uh, so take your time on this if you want. Um, sure describe your nerdiness what kind of nerd are you and how does it mostly manifest and i think now by now we'll probably have a clue a hint of how you'll answer this but in your own words my nerdiness that is that is a good thing for me to evaluate and well i have value i'm joking but you know obviously then i would say and i was actually was thinking about this earlier this week like why I, I gravitate towards the thing I gravitate. And I do believe a lot of it has to do with my dad um, being an OG nerd, I guess, in terms mm-hmm. of like, you know, we're talking about uh, grew up watching Doctor Who, like early Doctor Who, which was not very good in the sense of like, I remember hearing a story like right after my parents got married in the late seventies, like my dad watching Doctor Who in their house in, California and my mom was really annoyed because of the uh the Daleks yelling like exterminate all the time and she thought it was the (laughs) dumbest thing she would just say how stupid it was but like I'm just imagining my dad you know in his early 20s watching this really nerdy show even back then uh and then you know uh to kind of loop it into collecting like my dad as and I think you know this about my dad having been in his office he like collects lunch boxes and like like nerdy lunch boxes so he has like the original three Star Wars lunchbox, official lunchboxes from the 70s. He's got Battlestar Galactica, the original one. He's His kind of crown jewel, I guess, is like his Lost in 1968, a Lost in Space, like dome pale lunchbox, like that. So I grew up being around that as well as like him showing me a lot of uh, old movies growing up, like uh, 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And there was this one that was like, a desert island movie where these people get stuck but there's like these monsters and it's like claymation and stuff like that and i remember loving those shows and those movies and i think naturally i just love those things because it mean my dad both enjoyed those and then kind of the timing of everything worked out and like the lord of the rings movies came out when i was like 11 i think 10 or 11 perfect age for that. which is like yeah exactly it's like i heard this quote recently that was like are your favorite movies really masterpieces or did you just see them when you were 14 like and that was, that was just like the timing hit. Those movies came out and I was obsessed with those movies. It made me read the books. My, my dad, again, he read those books back in the, he probably first read them in the early seventies when he was a teenager. Uh, so pretty early on. And he had been like reading them like basically every year since then. Uh, so he was again, kind of an OG nerd in that, in that regard. So liking Lord of the Rings before it was popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that as well as like Harry Potter coming out. I think I was 
11, a 10 or 11 when the first movie came out. So literally the age of Harry Potter. So like seeing these movies, uh, kind of becoming obsessed with this world. So as soon as I saw, I think it was the second or the third movie, I started reading the books, got super obsessed with that. So it kind of has continued to manifest through these different, I guess, larger franchises like Lord of the Rings, uh, Star Wars, uh, Harry Potter, all of those things kind of hit at a really, I guess, ideal age for me and has kind of stuck with me throughout the ages. So I've loved uh, all the media that's come with them. And I think, especially with like MCU, it's just kind of, a, it's a natural thing. Like, it's just like, it's it like makes sense fed to fed into each other. Right, like, they just feed into it. It's just like, oh yeah, of course I'm going to love a superhero movie because like, it's just easier. Like some people see those movies and they just can't like, they don't get it. They don't like, for me, it just makes sense. Like I can understand the other perspective. I'm just like, yeah, this is awesome. I love this. Anything that's fantasy sci-fi, I love. You know, it's like why I love D&D, which obviously we've done together mm-hmm. uh, for the last, I guess, probably six or set, five or six years right. now. Six so I was, a late, I was late to the game then with that in terms of, I think I would have loved it even earlier. So I think a really, it started because I was exposed to it at a young age uh, because of my dad. And I had a brother who was eight years older and he loved like video games and stuff. So I'd watch him play games. I was the classic younger brother who would sit there with the other controller who wasn't plugged in and just watch him play these games. It's like, yeah, I understand why people like Twitch because I just did that. That's a really good point. Like I had never made that connection before, but you know what? What I would bet so many people either consciously or unconsciously have that connection of just watching their older sibling play out the game. Yeah, absolutely. I've had that. I, I, I made that connection at some point. Like, I don't, it was just kind of like, Oh, this is pro-, like, cause I think it came from a conversation where, or maybe an article I read where somebody was like, they didn't understand why somebody would watch somebody else play video games. And there's a million arguments you can make like, okay, why well, I, I like, I love NFL football. And I love watching it, but I can make the argument of like, why don't you just go play football? Because I like, I enjoy watching <laughs> it. I, yeah. I enjoy the competition. Like, again, I don't have to explain why I like it. It's just like, I just enjoy the sport and I watch it. And it's the same thing with video games because the most popular video games are competitive ones. People watch it because of the competition and they also can see how these players are playing that they, these games that they also play. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a strategic way as well. But for me, to your point, I do think anytime I've hopped on Twitch and found a random stream to watch, there is some comfort of maybe like reverting back to my childhood of like watching somebody play this game, like a legend of Zelda or something like that. Or Ocarina of times, the game I remember watching my brother play, which is probably again, why I love those games so much. Uh, there, there, there is a sense of calm uh, that I get from, from that type of, of thing. And I think that's probably similar to the fantasy thing. There's just like this, I've accepted the fact that nostalgia plays a big part in a lot of the things that I love. And I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Cause some people say that that's not a good reason. Like you can't hold on. I'm just like, if me watching the Lord of the Rings movies is nostalgic because of, you know, what it reminds me of, or just the feelings that it brought to me as a young kid, I think that's great. And if I feel that way for the next 50 years, then I'll continue to do that. Like, and I think that's, I, I think nostalgia is probably the number one thing in a lot of ways. And it's been fun to experience new new things, but I think I'll always, a lot of these original ones that I've mentioned, like the Harry Potters, the Star Wars, the Lord of the Rings are always going to be um, the things that I will always kind of hold the closest to me just because they, they, they hit me at an age that was very formative 
uh, mm-hmm. and probably the reason that I'm, I'm the way that I am now in terms of my love mm-hmm. of ner- nerd culture and all things. So yeah. that was my, that was my long-winded answer to no, for sure. my ner- nerd nerdiness manifested is uh, my, probably my upbringing mostly. Yeah. That's an awesome answer. The comfort that word jumped out at me. Cause I remember watching my older brother play Nintendo, like old school mm-hmm. N- Nintendo, specifically Star Fox. And what yeah. it was, what it was for me is that when I would try to play that game, I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. But like watching him play it, it was like this comfort to know that there is something that even though I can't do it, there's somebody out there who can do it. <laughs> and just the fact I feel like that applied a lot in life. Whenever I would like, whenever I see someone really do well on something that I can't do, that like reinforces my uh, comfort level of being like, okay, I don't need to do everything. Other people can do it. And that's fine too. I don't know. The comfort is definitely the word for me there. I think too, for me, and this has hit me while you were talking about your, your older brother was, it made me feel, I guess, included, if that makes any sense. Like, my brother was eight years older than me. We had a good relationship oh. despite the fact you know, you know, we certainly had our brotherly things, but we always had a good relationship. But I think it, it allowed me to feel included and kind of feel close to my brother, I think in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. we certainly share uh, a lot of, of similar things now, which I think is fed into our relationship and friendship that we have now as adults mm-hmm. now now that i you know you know again him being eight years older uh you know really once i became an adult is really kind of when our relationship to the next step but i think i do think that those moments of me being able to sit you know come into kind of his space and watch him play this game mm-hmm. and experience this game with him uh was something that i was thinking about this past week too in terms of again kind of knowing that we might talk about some of these things was like I think I just really enjoyed the fact that I could be around somebody that I looked up to and mm-hmm. that I liked. So anything that made me feel included with him was just a great feeling. And that was manifested through video games for, for us because we, you know, he loved them and I, it kind of grew my love for them, but I also, it attached a lot of memories to, to, to a lot of those, those older, earlier games as well. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's it's interesting analyzing the things that go into nostalgia. Like I think it's nostalgia is a it encapsulates encapsulates a lot of things and just analyzing what those are, like I find a lot of value in doing that. So thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah. Uh another question I have for you related to nerdiness is mm-hmm. if you if you had unlimited resources what would your nerd room look like? Oh man, that's a dangerous question for any nerd. <laughs> it um, is. <laughs> what would my nerd room look like? You know, I've had this fantasy and I think it's always, it's probably because of D&D, but I would love to have a dedicated room for D&D in terms of like, and I've had every possible scenario in my head of what that would look like. I'm like, would I want it to be rustic? Would I want it to be like a castle? Would I want it to be like behind like a, a bookshelf or something? But my fantasy has always been like, if I had, if I was a millionaire and I had this huge mansion, I want to have like just this space that's like, you know, you have the table, your friends can come in, uh, you know, something super crazy that you, you know, those, those tables you see online that are just like insane. Mm. I would certainly invest in one of those. I'm seeing like bookcases full of books. I'm seeing... Uh, 
miniatures all over the place. I'm seeing, uh, yeah, it's certainly as I'm as I'm visualizing my head, it's it's just packed full. Probably similar to like I know you've had a, a couple walls of of miniatures yourself, <laughs> but uh, every possible thing that you could possibly want for a D and D session as well. And then I think the other scenario I have is just like an insane gaming room. Yeah. It's probably separate from that, which is just like state of the art, obviously like PC and things like that. Crazy amount of monitors, like just over the top. Uh, and that would probably be more on the minimal side uh, that I would like more of like a clean setup. But most of most of my, anytime I've ever had that, that thought is certainly more of like decked out D and D room where I, I think it's, I think part of it's, it's wanting to be the hub maybe like mm-hmm. for, for D and D we're just like, Hey, we're going to do D&D this week and it's going to be at my place and it's going to be this insane room. And like, I'm the one providing this environment and like my buddies don't have to do or worry about anything. And we just go on an adventure, I think. So it's like a hosting thing. It, it is part of the reason. I don't know why I, why I think that way about it mm-hmm. um, in that sense, but maybe it's just because that's what I, I enjoy experiencing those things with my friends the most. So creating, having, a, having, can creating I, can I, yeah. If I can um, psychoanalyze that a bit, creating yeah, a space of inclusion similar to how your brother did for you. I, yeah, I think that that is a good way to put it because I, I, I think that I, there's just something about being able to provide that space and just have that hub for your friends. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. I think that is certainly is a, a connection. Uh, that's probably why. Why, why I fantasize in that way of it being like, it's, I, I don't, and I don't even think it has anything to do with like wanting my friends to think that I'm cool or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just like, I want, I want, I want my gaming room to be something that other people enjoy as well. Like, I don't want it to be like, oh, don't go in that room. That's my gaming room. Like, that's my nerd room. Like, like I want it to be something people experience and like mm-hmm. be able to enjoy as well. So that sounds super not humble the way I, I say that. But, no, it sounds awesome. But I think that would be, I would love to have something where where I, I could uh, be able to share that, my love of, of, of nerdum with my friends. That's the goal. Yeah, I, I'm right on, right on the same page with you there. That's, yeah. <sighs> There's the cool stuff. Like I, I like stuff, right? I like collecting yeah. things and I like I'm displaying things. But to have a room dedicated to that, like the showing off part of it implies that there's people to show it off for. So like, even if it's the stuff, like if it's about the stuff behind the stuff, it's actually about the people you care about, the people you want. Like there's definitely like an like you want to impress not you i'm saying for me like Mm -hmm. i want i want to impress with my stuff but i also want it to be a like hey this is a nerdy space let's freaking nerd out in this space look at all this nerdy stuff be the most nerdy person you can be in this space Mm -hmm. yeah i think i like i like that idea a lot so i'm i'm what 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 you're saying is resonating a lot with me Mm -hmm. i have a question well it'd be a question for both of us that i don't know if this is a good question it, it's in relation to the wandavision episode which we don't have to close on mm-hmm. but it was more of a kind of a question you had around the game room but it would be if you were wanda in this situation what would your reality look like that you created dude i'm not answering that question <laughs> <laughs> i went too deep it's oh, too deep i know what my answer would be what's I, what's what's your uh, what's to, your uh client facing what <laughs> um 
I will I say it's... it would look a lot like the Shire. I would have like um, a hole under a hill, like yeah. It would it would look like the Shire for sure. Yeah, mine would certainly be something like like you said, some sort of whatever worlds I was currently obsessed with, whether it was Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or mm-hmm. any sort of maybe game I'm playing or something like that. So. You didn't say which version of the Shire, so maybe it's the one that got destroyed by uh, <laughs> by Sharky. <laughs> um, no, it would definitely be from um, the Peter Jackson Peter Jackson movies. Like okay. that that uh, aesthetic really appeals to me. I absolutely think that would be a great reality. Mm-hmm. I'd love to live like the um, uh, the Lego Lord of the Rings game, like basically any Lord of the Rings game where you can like wander around like the Shire. I love that. Like <laughs> walking down to the river, going through like the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. I was the same way. Well, I, I know we briefly played the MMO, but I loved mm-hmm. just exploring. Well, I guess any of the areas, but yeah, the Shire particularly. Definitely. That's a good place to close on. I like that. That works for me. Do you know my um, tagline that I use to sign out on my videos? I feel like I should know it because I've watched you, most of your You don't need to know there. it. It's okay. Keep it positively nerdy. I should have known that because you do say that. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Thanks for joining me on yeah. this first venture into podcasting. 